Broadcasting from the heart of commie-controlled America, the no-bullshit bearer of doom and gloom, opium-free broadcast, the most important hour of your day. All right, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. My name is Josh, and welcome to Red Pill Projects at Daily Dose. I hope everybody is doing well tonight, and it is good to be back in the studio. It is good to be back on camera. It is good to be back with all of you today. Uh, just getting back into the studio, I don't have everything properly set up, right? So if you guys can hear me and I can hear you, just go ahead and do one of those things right there. That'd be much appreciated. And uh, we're going to go through the news and the events, the unfolding global conspiracy. If you are new here to the Red Pill Project or to the Daily Dose podcast, this is what we talk about. We talk about the unfolding global conspiracy of communism coming to America. We talk about the Great Reset Agenda 2030. We're talking about transhumanism, ESG. We are talking about DEI. We're talking about the infiltration of our social or cultural our political, our militaristic systems here in the United States of America and the eroding of the United States Constitution. And uh, what we do is we try to look at the narrative that's being played. We go out there and we find all the information that we can on the Internet. We scour it, then we review it, and then we put it out there to you in a set narrative which the globalists are uh, aligning with. Now, what's interesting about that is we've been doing this for a while now. And, uh, yeah, you know, we, we've been scarily accurate and I don't like that. I don't want, I don't want to be accurate about this stuff, but you know what? You have to go through the darkness to get to the light, right? You have to go through all this, uh, all this chaos to get where you're going in life. And I guess, uh, you know, this is meant to happen. This is kind of like the birth pains of humanity that we're going through right now. Um, a few announcements. Uh, I, I I do a crypto mastermind, and I wanted to apologize to everybody out there. I forgot it was Tuesday. I was driving home today, and uh, we had rescheduled it from Sunday. I was driving home today. I thought it was Monday, and so it completely blanked my mind. I had another show even scheduled at the same time, so it was kind of interesting. Um, so I will put out a message on the social red pill about that for the rescheduling of that event right there, probably tomorrow, uh, for everybody out there wondering. Um, tonight, the After Dark chat that is at 9 p.m. Eastern or 9 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The After Dark chat is going to be on the socialredpill.com. That's all one word, socialredpill.com, and the linkage information will be on the left-hand side under the events, um, and it's just going to be the normal chat. And then we'll also put that link out there for everybody to see. Um, if you are interested in doing that, that's a Q&A with myself. Um, I don't know how much time I can commit tonight. I did drive, uh, you know, 13 hours nonstop last night into this morning, got home about uh, about 1030 this morning, um, got about uh, three, maybe three and a half hours of sleep today. So pretty exhausted. But we're going to go ahead and do the After Dark chat tonight. Um, another thing is that we have something known as the Battle of the Streams. The Battle of the Streams is where you can help support everything that we do here at the Red Pill Project, supporting alternative media, supporting uh, myself and my team and uh, our platform and what we're trying to do here in the sense of helping to wake people up in the world. Remember, we do have a motto at the Red Pill Project. That motto is very, very specific. Never believe anything anybody tells you, no matter who they are or what authority they possess or profess, unless you can prove it with your own research, your own experiences, and through your own volition. And that holds true uh, with any bit of information that you come upon in your life. And this is something that I 
specifically um, keep in the forefront of my mind daily, every day, is that I'm not going to believe anything unless I can go out there and prove and validate it and, and have substantial reference points for that. Um, kind of an interesting point of view. I was on, uh, I, I host a show with uh, James Grunvig on American Media Periscope on Thursdays and Fridays called DEFCON 5, which is a branch off of Unrestricted Truths. I was filling in for James Grunvig this weekend on Unrestricted Truths. Yesterday, I had uh, Kerry Cassidy from Project Camelot, which was a great interview. You guys should go check that out. And today I had Derek Johnson. I'm pretty sure you guys have all heard that name. And um, just going back is never believe anything. Anybody tells you, no matter who they are, what authority they possess or profess, unless you can prove it with your own research, through your own volition, through your own experiences, through your own investigation, through your own inquiry. Just putting that out there. Um, interesting news day cycle. Um, if you wanted to keep tallies of who's winning or who's losing today, I think you could say that the, uh, the Patriots were definitely winning that battle today. Uh, a lot of interesting things happening in the world, and we're seeing kind of global chaos kind of culminate to these various different points. I'm going to go ahead, and I think we can just start with, uh, yeah, why not? You know, I was going to start with uh, some breaking news, but we'll get to that here in a second. I think it's important to uh, to understand what we're up against when it comes to the radical liberals and the Democrats and, and, and understanding... Um, just how full of shit they really are. I mean, serious. I'm just going to bring this article up here. We will hold the House by winning more seats, says Pelosi, um, that the Democrats will sweep at the midterm elections. She believes that they're going to sweep the midterm elections. Now, I want you to listen to what she says here. No audio. You guys don't hear any audio? I'm sorry. I was paying attention. Uh, let me see here. One second. If you guys don't hear any audio, let me see something. I think I see. Oh, let me go here. Do that. Go like that. Go like that. Okay. If you guys don't hear audio, one second. I apologize for that. Let me try to figure this out here. Like I said, I just, uh, I just got back in the town. I just got back in the town. I'm trying to figure everything out here. And uh, if you guys don't hear any, uh, no sound, but her voice makes well, her voice makes me sick too. Okay, let me try to figure out this audio issue. And I'm sorry, I, I played just a whole minute of nothing but me, <laughs> or nothing but me sitting here. Let me try to figure out this audio issue real quick with that. You guys can hear me though, right? We can we can all hear me. That's good. Okay, good. We can all hear me. Um, I need to go to this, this, go there, like that. And I think I found the problem right there. We're going to go like that. 
And let's see if the Senate, but there it is. I think I got it. Okay. Tell me if you guys hear this now. Okay. And I'm just going to go here like this. What is your prediction for the election that's a little bit more than a month away? Madam Speaker, you have the floor. Okay, thank you very much. Well, I'm so glad you asked that question because I believe that we will win the hold the House. And we will hold the House by winning more seats. Uh, we won the 40 seats. Then we lost some when Trump was on the ballot. We lost some in the Trump districts. Uh, but we held, in, held enough seats to hold the House with him on the ballot. He's not on the ballot now. Oh, did I say his name? I didn't mean to. <laughs> we'll have the videotapes fumigated. You, perhaps you could yeah, leap that no out. Worries, okay. No worries. <laughs> it is a family show. <laughs> but what gives you the confidence to well, do that? Because all the prognosticators, certainly six months ago, they said it was going to be this crazy red wave. Mm -hmm. Now it looks likely that the Democrats will hold the Senate. But there is still a slight favor for the Republicans to take the House. Well, OK, so you ready? Always. OK, here's the thing. When we won in 2020 and again, fewer seats, but still holding the House, we started right away to prepare for the next election in terms of organization, mm -hmm. own the ground. When you mobilize, you must own the ground to take out the vote. You have to do that with inspiration and how we put together our messaging. And that's the second M. And the third is money. So we're getting ready for the election. That was in December of 2020. Okay, I've heard enough. <clears throat> she says you have to own the ground to take the vote. What are they really talking about? Listen, there's no way they won in 2018. There's no way they won in 2020. And there's no way they're going to win in 2022. How are the Democrats winning? Well, let's go to some breaking news and, and look at this. Let, let's see how the Democrats are winning elections that the mainstream media is not talking about. This is huge. Election company Connick CEO Eugene Yu arrested in Los Angeles for theft of personal data of election workers and sent to China. Wait, what? what? What are you talking about here? Connect CEO Eugene Wu Yu was arrested uh, today in Los Angeles County in connection with theft of personal data. The alleged stolen data belonged to the poll workers um, and was subject of Truth the Votes pit in Arizona last August where Catherine, Catherine Endelbreich and Greg Phillips singled out the company during the pit in August. Phillips and Endelbreich uh, were alleged they were cooperating with the FBI in Michigan about data being sent overseas by this company. The investigation quickly started to turn on them after the FBI started to distance itself from the investigation. Journalist Incognito Kanakeo has covered this company and researched them better than anyone else. Here is a link to the L.A. County website right there. And this is what we're going to read for you. This is from the L.A. County website of what they released. Uh, Los Angeles County District Attorney George Gasson announced today in, that an executive with Michigan-based company responsible for software used in managing Los Angeles County election poll workers has been arrested as part of an investigation into possible theft of personal identifying information of those workers. Um, now, this investigation concerned fully with the personal identifying information of election workers. In the case, the alleged conduct had no impact on the tabulation of votes and did not alter election results. But security in all aspects of any election is essential that we have full faith in the integrity of the process. Okay, well, that's interesting. But what did Eugene do with the information? Well, it says it right here. And this is directly from them. 
District Attorney investigators found a contradiction in the contract. Information was stored on servers in the People's Republic of China. Now, why is that interesting? Poll workers, right? And, and so there was an article I published today on my Telegram. Okay, and I want to see if I can find this because I think I know where I got this from. We're going to go here. Ugh, I'm going to have to pull it up on my Telegram. There's an article I pulled up on my Telegram today about poll workers. Okay? And, and this is where we start to see very, I guess, interesting developments if you want to look at it like that. Well, I wanted to go over that article. I love how you like you go to like, oh, yeah, I forgot that one. Oh, I forgot that one. Oh, I forgot that one. There it is. Um, there we go. Okay. So on the same day that Eugene is arrested, we see political come out with this. Election officials confront a new problem, whether they can trust their own poll workers. All right. Now, every indication here, Michigan in particular, has been a hotspot. Far-right candidate governor who lost the GOP primary encouraged poll workers to unplug election equipment if they believe something was wrong. A Michigan County GOP organized encouraged poll workers to ignore the rules barring cell phones in polling places and counting votes. Everything that they're talking about here is talking about the GOP. Why? Because the left, the radical left, is afraid of you and me watching the polls. They're afraid of the poll workers who are stepping forward, who are conservatives, who are truthers, who are American first citizens. Okay? Now, go back to Eugene. The, the poll worker information is critically important. Why? Because this shows, think about this, let's say that China stole the 2020 election. Well, how would they know which seats that they could get away with uh, stealing? The ones that the liberals and the Democrats were in control of with the poll workers in the sense of the majority, as well as coercion, extortion, and all these other types of things that can happen with these poll workers. If you have a precinct, let's say, that has predominantly um, you know, GOP type of people working in it, then that's going to be one that is unlikely to be stolen by uh, some type of thievery, right? And so we're seeing this coming. We're seeing what's happening right now. Certain Things are coming, and we're seeing this. So we can't say nothing's happening because things are definitely happening, right? Now, this is a, a pretty big development. I mean, this is a, a massive development, and and hopefully the work of True to Vote um, keeps on doing what they're doing and starts bringing down this house of voter corruption because, see, we know how they operate now. And as Nancy said, we got to, we got to own the ground if we want to take the vote. You don't take the vote. You win the vote. And see, there is a red wave coming. Colbert was correct on that. Now he's saying that, well, you know, it looks like you're going to keep the, the Senate. No, it, it doesn't. I don't know what polls are. They're talking about Nate Silver's polls. They say that the Democrats are leading just slightly or the Republicans are leading just slightly in the congressional. No, that's not the case. They are going to take the Republicans will take the majority in the Senate and Congress. This is what we're seeing with all national polls that are being honest. The problem is, is the polls out there are not being honest. The polls out there are completely manipulated because that's one part of their thievery is to manipulate polls to no end to set the mainstream narrative that they are winning. Excuse me. All right. So we have the election come up, midterm elections. 
Don't even know if it's going to happen. I know, right? I don't know if it's going to happen either. Um, I'm skeptical on that front because there is just too many things happening globally that we're actually going to go over here in a little bit. Um, and one of those is the global economic collapse. One of those is World War III. If, you were, if you've been with us for any period of time here with uh, the Red Pill Project, the Daily Dose, or if you're new, there's one thing that I've been talking about since 2020 known as the Global Firestorm Event. The Global Firestorm Event deals with social, cultural, and political destabilization at the, the local, the state, and the federal level. This isn't just in the United States. This is globally in any country. And then what you'd have is attacks on infrastructure and supply chain, and then you'd have some type of massive events like global economic collapse and World War III. All these things are playing out right now. Now, we can sit here and say that, you know, supply chain collapse is coming. It's already here. The supply chain has already collapsed. We're just haven't come to that realization that that is the case. And see, we know this because there's nothing new coming in. Everything new that's coming in right now is depleted by 50 and 60%. All the crops and everything like that that were lost this year and harvest and everything is going to affect us six months down the road. Right now we're dealing with the, the surplus that was coming in from COVID. That is about to run out real, real fast. When we say dark winter, we're not lying that we are headed into a dark winter. Obviously, if we look at Europe, they're headed into a very, very dark winter. And I'm I'm, I'm optimistic that we're not going to have certain types of energy problems here in the United States of America, but they're having it globally. And so if they're having it globally, eventually that's going to happen here as well. All right, so let's jump into the global economic collapse aspect of this. The UN demands all central banks stop rate hikes and switch to price controls instead. Next week, new month, or so new week, new month, new quarter, new brains, new trades, new hope, or new balls, please, as they say, as Wimbledon. I don't have the physical energy to play tennis with markets um, and an every other day basis, sending a detailed volley back to those who think the Fed is about to pivot because of one bad data point. That doesn't mean the UK government can't though they did exactly that on tax cuts and so this is tyler durden from zero hedge he says all i all i can say is that reread what i've been saying all year about this being more about just the data i am told every gold bug kryptonite bond bubble boy equity enthusiast derivative devil property shill commodity compare is sitting on the sidelines bleeding out and is waiting for the fed fed to pivot in order to go all in on the next inflationary everything asset bubble. And then he says, what does this interest me enough to cover today is the UN CTAD, the agency dealing with global trade, um, demanding all central banks stop rate hikes. Now, we talked about this briefly yesterday when I was on audio um, and instead switched to price controls. They argue policy makers appear to be hoping that the short-term monetary shock along the lines, if not on the same magnitude as that pursued under Paul Volcker, will be sufficient to anchor inflationary expectations without triggering a recession. Sifting through the economic entails of the bygone era is unlikely, however, to provide the forward guidance needed for a softer landing, given the deep structural and behavioral changes that have taken place in many economies, particularly those related to financialization, market concentration, and labor's bargaining power. So basically what we're looking at here and he goes on and he 
Well, let's just, let's do number two. So that was number one. Number two, a New York Times op-ed, U.S. Ships Act would break China's control at sea. Repeating last month's VOA, as China expands its fleets, U.S. analysts call for catch-up efforts that as China builds more naval and merchant ships, U.S. maritime experts are calling for a Ships Act, comparable to recently enacted Chips Act, Recalling the efforts undertaken in World War II when domestic shipyards launched more than 5,000 vessels. One expert says the Chinese industrial base is a behemoth and the U.S. shipping industry base is frequently undersized as a function of the size of Americans' economy and influence around the world. This is a key argument in 2021's In Deep Ships uh, Maritime Logistics. The U.S. would go back to the sea to underpin industry and the Mehan uh, geostrategy. Number three, the article in the Financial Times, investors are learning to love the industry. Again, noting that deglobalizing the world is a structural boom in parts of U.S. manufacturing being led by federal efforts to domesticize supply chains via legislation. A shift from just in time to just in case shorter supply chains decoupling from China, productivity enhancing technology, and an overlooked U.S. equivalent of Germany's Mistelstan and Midsign's family-owned companies. Okay, he goes on to say, Draw your intellectual blinkers here. Now, firstly, I'm going to comment on a lot of what's happening in this article. Global financial militaristic aspects. Firstly, the UN coming out and saying that Federal Reserve banks around the world, central banks around the world, need to stop inflationary increases. Because what that's going to do is halt the global economy and produce a global recession. They're not wrong. But here's the thing, is if you don't do that, okay, stagflation will increase, hyperinflation will increase, demand will go down, or sorry, demand will go up, supply chain will go down, prices will hyperinflate. That is going to happen. That's the inevitable unless you raise rates to match the current interest rate or the current inflation rate. So when the federal, when when the central banks, UN comes out and says, hey, stop doing that. Um, they're right that it's going to cause a global recession. Same thing with raising rates. That's going to cause a global recession or at least a geographic recession within a certain area. Now, other key points here. They're calling for the United States to bring back the SHIPS Act. Basically, bring back the manufacturing and processing prowess of the United States of America that we had after World War II, building a bunch of ships to export our goods around the world. This comes about when Joe Biden has basically implemented various different things like the CHIPS Act, bringing our supply chain back home away from China. Why is that important to understand? They're taking business away from China. So everything that Donald Trump was doing, bringing jobs back to the United States and all this stuff, this is what Joe Biden is seeking to do with the supply chain and infrastructure. Why? Because China is no longer playing the globalist game. China has basically told the World Economic Forum, the globalists, to F off. They're going to do their own thing. And this comes at a time when the global economy is in a massive, massive destabilized destabilized point. And so the SHIPS Act would basically give the United States back control of the seas of the import and export business, even though China owns the majority share of that globally right now. Another reason why they want to also control the Taiwanese Strait. Number three, they talked about 
deglobalizing the world. This is bringing the manufacturing, the processing, all these things back to the United States of America and becoming um, independent in the sense of our own supply chain. So all these things work in unison together. Basically, what they're saying here is they want to cut China out of the global community, of the westernized global community. Okay? Now, how do you think China will react to those types of movements by the Western nations to remove Chinese production, manufacturing, shipping globally away from China? China won't like that. China won't like that at all. China will go to war over that. That's the truth. And so this is why we're, this is really interesting to watch because what we're, we're seeing is various actions that are moving towards social and cultural destabilization, that are moving towards this, this collapse of the entire system, this reset of the entire system. And, and here are other indications. So we talked about how the, the UN asked the United States Federal Reserve to stop increasing rates. Okay, what else do we have that are indications of financial collapse? The Vatican Bank called in all loans on September 30th. They haven't done that since right before World War II. That, that, that's, that's a good indication. How about this one? U.S. national debt tops $31 trillion for the first time. Okay, this is just reported borrowed money and approved by Congress. We're not even talking about the amount of money that is built into the inflationary model that is printed by the Federal Reserve day in and day out with absolutely zero congressional oversight. We have the, the great Rubini, and he says, stagflationary debt crisis is here. We've talked about Rubini before. Nuriel Rubini, um, who's with the Project Syndicate, a, an economist. He says the great modernization has given way to the great stagflation, which will be characterized by instability and the confluence of slow motion negative supply shocks. U.S. and global equities are already back in America. The scale of the crisis that awaits has not even been fully priced in yet. He says for a year now, I have argued that the increase in inflation will be persistent, that's, that it causes um, that its causes include not only bad policies, but also negative supply shocks and that central banks attempt to fight it would cause a hard economic landing. When the recession comes, I warned, it will be severe and protracted with widespread financial distress and debt crises. Notwithstanding their hawkish talk, central bankers caught in the debt trap may still wimp out and settle for above-target inflation. Any portfolio or risky equities and less risky fixed income bonds will lose money on those bonds owing to higher inflation inflation expectations. He goes on to say, how do these predictions stack up? First, team transitory clearly uh, lost to team persistence in the inflation debate. On top of excessively loose monetary, fiscal, and credit policies, negative supply shocks caused price growth to surge. COVID-19 lockdowns led to supply bottlenecks, including for labor. China's zero-COVID policy created even more problems for the global supply chains. Russia's invasion of Ukraine sent shockwaves through the energy and other commodity markets and the broader sanctions regime, not least the weaponization of the U.S. dollar and other currencies, has furthered 
balkanized and the global economy with friends shoring and trade and immigration restrictions accelerating the trend towards deglobalization. Here we go again, deglobalization. Now, what he's basically saying here is we're headed towards a massively massive inflationary pressure. Okay, that we're going to head into this depression, or I would call it a depression or a recession. But one of the trend lines that we're seeing here is countries are decoupling from the modern global um, environment. We're seeing deglobalization in the economic sense happening everywhere. Supply chains are coming back, manufacturing is coming back. Um, they're trying to bring critical infrastructure back. Why? Because this is the part where you set up your new global community. This is the great reset. This is what they're doing. You remember what happens in optimization theory. A system has to destabilize that current system. It has to remove all the pieces, take all the pieces, bring them back, restructure them, and then bring them back to a new point of optimization. Now, that destructuring or the deglobalization is called chaos. That's where we're at right now. And that's what we're seeing. This is what everybody's talking about, but they're not talking about it at this highest level. Um, we're seeing other indications here. Uh, we talked about Credit Suisse yesterday. Credit Suisse is on the brink of collapse. Their CEO, Alex Lehman. Why is that interesting? Because in 2008, Lehman Brothers was the first bank to signify the collapse of 2008. Hedge funds have launched uh, launches. Okay. So, uh, the estimated number of new hedge fund launches slid to only 80 in quarter two, down sharply from 185 in the first quarter of the year, according to fresh data from the index and indexation analysis uh, hedge fund research. The latest figure also reflects the new, fewest uh, new funds launched since the fourth quarter of 2008. And so what we're talking about here, is the world is repeating itself. History is repeating itself. We're having the same economic trend lines and symbolic trend lines that we saw in 2008. And so economically, I would highly recommend that you prepare. Financially, I would highly recommend that you prepare that something major is coming. And I think we all feel this. I think we all know and understand that something major is coming. Um, and economically, for Joe Biden, this could be probably one of his worst months. Look at this. Biden's bad October surprise job openings take the biggest nosedive since the start of COVID. Well, of course they are. Because we had 50 of the top CEOs at the top corporations in this country come out in June and say that they're all going to be doing layoffs. If they're doing layoffs, they're not hiring. They're not creating new jobs. The economy is slowing down. Retail production is massively down. People are no longer spending money because interest rates are just way too high. And so that's going to begin to affect the economy and as well as these types of numbers that the government releases. And so this is going to hurt the Democrats. And, you know, it, it and I want to say something about this because I talked about this earlier on uh, um, Unrestricted Truths. But if Trump and the Patriots plan is to just show the bad news of what's happening in the world with the Biden administration and let them crash themselves to win this election, then we got some big problems. 
I'm just putting that out there. If there's going to be no release of information or documentation, if there's going to be no declassed uh, information coming out there, if there's going to be no massively significant um, blows given to the liberals, the radical liberals that are showing treason or sedition, um, then the Democrats can just steal this election because that just means that there's no ammunition in the gun for the, the Republicans to do anything. And I want to put that out there because we need something massive to happen in the next 30 days. Something to happen in the next 30 days that is significant. I mean, beyond significant. We're talking like, we're talking an event like the arrest of Hillary Clinton or something like that large. You need to completely take over the mainstream narrative with whatever is going to happen. If you do not infiltrate and take over the mainstream narrative, there is no way that you can control the political narrative coming into November 8th. Like I said, we just had Nancy Pelosi out there, right? Nancy Pelosi just out there like, we're going to take hold the house and we're gonna win and you know we gotta control the vote and, and steal it okay see here's the thing is that's mainstream the mainstream polls are coming out there saying democrats have a chance to take the senate oh they might even get the house oh they're gonna take the house so right this is the mainstream narrative if you cannot control that mainstream narrative if you don't have something massive like we've talked about come out um then then I question what's really happening. And, and I want you to think about this because Donald Trump is making certain moves. He's suing CNN for $445 million, which the discovery session of that trial is going to be epic. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Okay. I don't know if that's going to happen for November 8th. Um, we have a p potential Trump indictment coming before that. We're going to look at a few Trump articles here in a little, in a little bit pertaining to this. But um, Donald Trump needs to release our Crossfire Hurricane Finder. Donald Trump needs to release whatever classified information that he declassified before he left. He needs to just release it on True Social, get it out there to the world, and let it go. A and he needs to get it out to the world and start getting it disseminated. Now, today we have a very, very interesting Delta, which was referenced Of course, it's it's gone, which was referenced um, a few weeks ago with an actual Delta from Donald Trump. And, and this one is specific because I can talk a little bit on this. If you remember the Q post, okay, this one is 2343, October 4th, 2018, memes ready, Anon's ready, okay? This is today's Delta's. Anon's ready, memes ready, right? Are you ready to see arrest? Are you ready to see the pain? Are you ready to be a part of history? Now, why are the memes important? Because Q went out there and taught us how to basically trick the algorithmic filtering software with creating memes. We knew that this was going to come into play when certain information, declassified information, was released in order to get them out on primary social media networks. 
um, that you have to go out there. You have to create these memes. Once the memes are created, you can start sending them out. And this spreads and gets the truth. 80% of people on social media take in the majority of their news directly from memes, which is pretty crazy. But that's what I'm saying. Is we're still early right now in October. Things are happening. The 8th of October, which we know is an important date that has been repeated the last few days, is coming up here in four days. Okay, that's going to be, what, Sunday? Uh, that's going to be Saturday. And so we can see some type of major global event happening on that day. I, I, I don't like making date predictions, but I'll make a date prediction on that one. Because that's been a significant date, July, August, September, and obviously November. So what we're looking at here is the Patriots need to make some significant move this month. In I would say, if they want to take over the control of the mainstream narrative, that you'd be looking somewhere between October 24th or even uh, October 17th or the week of October 24th, you should see something major come out from them. Now, I'm not making a prediction. This is just my guess of if I was them and I was going to strategically do this in a game of chess, that's when I would do it. So we're going to wait. We're going to see. Um, if we go into November 8th and none of this stuff has ever happened, um, well, then we'll talk about it then, and I'll give you my thoughts. Uh, because if... If we're not seeing declassified information by that time being released, if we're not seeing movement within the Patriot community of what we've been waiting for by November 8th, I, I doubt um, that the Republicans will win. And I say that, not saying that they're not going to win. I think that there's going to be a red wave. But I'll also say that they're going to cheat their asses off because they cannot give up power. We know this. They cannot give up power. The liberals cannot give up power. They will hang if they give up power, which means that they're going to do everything within their ability to make sure that they take the House and the Senate on November 8th. So if Donald Trump and the Patriots want to fight back, something needs to happen in between this time. We've been waiting for this time for a very long time. I've been talking about this point in time since November of 2020. So I'm, I'm nervous. I'm excited. I'm kind of like apprehensive a little bit, right? We're going to have to see what just what, 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 what transpires and what happens here. Um, I think that there's also more false flags inbound. I think that there's going to be certain global events that are going to happen this month specifically that are going to be incredibly impactful. Uh, we we just saw the Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipeline. We're going to talk about that here in a little while. I know I'm beating that like a dead horse, but I want everybody to understand the severity of that situation. And then we had Hurricane Ian. Florida coastal towns devastated by Hurricane Ian in panic mode over shortages of food, water, and gas. But help is on its way. Of course, help is on its way. Um we do not have any help in St. James City. There are so many people here that have completely lost everything. This is Denise Martinez, a Facebook group called the Pine Island Prospect. Um, Southwest Florida ever returned to its former glory. Um, I do believe it will. We had Hurricane Andrew that hit there uh, multiple years back, decades ago. But 
Um, we know that there's various different military mobilizations going on with the National Guard out of South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia, Alabama, so forth, going in there and supporting the people in Florida. And our thoughts and prayers go out to the people um, out there in Florida, including many members here on the Social Red Pill who have been affected. I know there's quite a few of you. Um, hurricane Ian is an anomaly. Um, in a traditional hurricane season where everything was uh, massively suppressed, where there was no storms, and all of a sudden we have back-to-back -back storms and all, one that hits a Category 5, and just happens to be a storm that hits Florida, Sarasota, and even passed by Mar-a-Lago, at the same time that the president, who lives in Florida, and DeSantis, both are calling on a storm that happened, not an actual literal storm, but the storm politically. I think is massively too symbolic, as well as Hurricane Ian happened at the exact same time as the Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipeline were um, sabotaged, which kept it out of the mainstream media narrative. Only very few people were actually reporting on it. And this is because the United States of America was, or not the people of the United States, but the deep state of the United States of America were the ones who orchestrated the event. So... This is where these false flags come into play, is they basically provide cover and they attack your enemies. And so it, it, it's sad to talk about this, but I do believe that more of these types of events are inbound and that this is going to be a very chaotic month. We're just getting started here. Obviously, we have important dates to remember for this month, October 8th, October 17th. October 29th, October 30th. These are four dates to keep in mind where potentially we could see a lot of movement or something happening. Uh, what else do we have? Uh, maybe another win for the good guys here is Elon Musk is buying Twitter. Immediately after it was announced that Elon Musk would be going in and buying Twitter with a $44 billion takeover, massive accounts began losing followers, almost like these followers were deleted because they were, <laughs> because those followers were nothing more than bots. Um, Elon says uh, he, he is uh, going to basically uh, revamp Twitter and turn it into something completely different. Um, it is an accelerant to creating X, the everything app. And so he's got, he's building what's known as the everything app and uh this is uh, kind of uh, from Zero Hedge right here. Buying Twitter is an accelerant to creating X, the everything app. And this is directly from Elon Musk right there. And you don't have to look at those women's uh, breasts there. But just know that this is what Elon Musk is saying. Now, you got to ask yourself, what, is Twitter, what does Elon mean specifically about this? Will Musk keep Twitter as is, or will he burn it down, fire all of its employees, and build it from the ground up? Conveniently, Musk Twitter linked text messages publicly released as part of the Twitter lawsuit legal disclosure provide enough information for what Musk really wants in terms of a final product. First, as stated in the following exchange with Valor CEO Antonio uh, Gracias, Musk believes in free speech, so much so that he finds Russia today quite entertaining with lots of bullshit, but some good points too. Musk expressed similar sentiment in the following exchange with ex-wife Tula Jane Riley, who is dismayed at the Babylon Bee's suspension and who proposed to buy Twitter and make it radically free speech or delete it. Musk 
then speaks to VC entrepreneur John Longsdale, where they discuss Musk's desire to make Twitter an open source algo uh, because it's important to rein in big tech and our public square needs to not have arbitrary sketch censorship. Musk's response, uh, what we have right now is hidden corruption. And he's absolutely right. And, and this is some really good information coming from Elon with these released text messages. Um, as an aside, a few weeks later, after it emerged, Musk had purchased a sizable stake in Twitter, John Lonsdale made an interesting observation. I bet you the board doesn't even get full reporting or see any report of the censorship decisions and little cabals going on there, but they should. The lefties on board likely want plausible deniability. Things get in more interesting in this exchange with Twitter founder Jack Dorsey, in which Jack echoed not only that Twitter must be an open source protocol, but that it can't have an advertising model. Otherwise, you have the surface area that governments and advertisers will try to influence and control. It has centralized entity behind it. It will be attacked. Jack's conclusion, this isn't complicated work. It just has to be done right. So it's resilient to what has happened to Twitter. After a lengthy back and forth, Musk tells Jack that it's worth both trying to move Twitter in a better direction and doing something now that's decentralized. And this, by the way, that type of information coming from Jack Dorsey, um, is massively surprising. And this shows that, in my opinion, Jack Dorsey was a globalist-controlled puppet for a very long time who truly did believe in free speech. Look at his words. His words are right there in private. Um, a quick tangent in what we learned, it wasn't just Elon seeking to buy Twitter. So was J.P. Morgan of crypto, Sam Bankfield Friedman, uh, also SBF, the prominent role in the company going forth. The second tangent, SBS net worth and how much money they could put into Twitter. Short answer, both a lot. Another interesting exchange with Matthias Doffner, CEO of German media conglomerate Axel Springer, which owns a bunch of tabloids um, such as Build, in which he says that if Musk buys it, Alex Springer would be willing to run Twitter. So, game plan. Solve free speech on the internet. Great. That's also decentralization. Open source algos. Number two, solve the share price. Current state of business, obviously. Uh, what else are we seeing here? Elon Musk has hinted towards X, an app for everything. Go back to my Substack and read my article on this. I'm telling you, it's coming. This is going to be integrated with space uh, space satellites, internet. It, it, yeah, this is going to be the number one social networking app that is going to come out in the world after Musk redesigns this. It'll be decentralized. How do you decentralize Twitter? You put it on Starlink. Yes, you put it on Starlink. You host it on your cloud servers in space, completely decentralized. I'm just, I'm just saying, go back and read that, that Substack article that I wrote many months ago. I'm telling you, this is gonna, this is gonna happen. At least I'm, I'm thinking that this is gonna happen. All right. Let's, uh, let's jump into some real news here. As they lose arguments, climate scientists call for the ban on dissenting views. 
A cohort of climate fanatics claiming to be scientists are demanding that a prominent science journal pull a recent study about the alleged climate crisis because the paper does not align with the prevailing global warming dogma. The European Physics Journal Plus, published a Springer, published by Springer Nature, published the review, which looked at data on possible changes in the frequency or intensity of rainfall, cyclones, tornadoes, droughts, and other extreme weather events. On the basis of observational data, the climate crisis that, according to many sources, we are experiencing today is not evident. To the average climate fanatic, these words are frightening. They consist of cow farts and gas-powered cars are heating up the planet, which in turn is causing there to be bad weather in some areas from time to time. The FP fake news agency was so upset by the study's finding that his employees frantically contacted the slew of climate scientists, at least four of which confirm that the paper must be false. The paper gives the appearance of being specifically written to make the case that there is no climate crisis, rather than presenting an objective, comprehensive, up-to-date assessment said Richard Betts, the head of the Climate Impacts Research at Britain's Met Office. Why? Because there's billions upon billions of dollars to be made in climate change. Governments are funding it radically. Uh, if you guys remember, I had uh, a guest on, an NYU professor who's also a, a, a climate expert, and I called him out on this. I said that, look, you guys receive billions upon billions of dollars each year. Why wouldn't you align with the consensus norm? And uh, he didn't like that too much, if, if, from what I remember. Um, this came right after, by the way, he said that climate, he agreed with me that climate and weather was dependent upon solar cycles and the sun. Anyways, and we can talk about atmospheric CO2 levels versus ground level CO2 levels, the manipulation of that data on ground level CO2 levels, um, and just the planting of more trees and plants in our inner cities. Wow, look at that. And here's the thing, and I want anybody out there who believes in climate change and is a climate activist to understand. Um, we want to save the Earth, too. We, we love the Earth. We don't want to kill the Earth. But we're seeing different data than you are that tells us different stories. I'm not saying that we need not to go out there and reduce fossil fuels. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that we, you know, don't go out there and clean the planet. But let me ask you this. If you are a climate change activist and you're sitting here talking about fertilizers and CO2s, whatever happened to the debate on uh, the, the massive amount of uh, hexafluorines and all various different types of toxins that are released by industrial waste into our atmosphere that are ruining the ozone layer, that are falling down in the atmosphere as particulate material that are poisoning our food, our soil, and our water. Whatever happened to that? Because carbon dioxide obviously doesn't seem like a very, very bad gas, considering that we exhale it in our bodily process, and green plants with chlorophyll utilize it as fuel. So whatever happened to going out there and stopping all this shit about actually polluting and poisoning the earth? Carbon dioxide doesn't pollute or poison the earth. It doesn't even have an impact on, when we're talking about surface level CO2 levels, it doesn't even have an impact on the greenhouse effect, which takes place in the lower stratosphere. So that's my question. Whatever happened to going out there and fighting the real parts that are killing this earth? By the way, they're the same ones funding the climate agenda pushing 
carbon dioxide. Just an FYI. But nobody cares to hear that. Nobody wants to know all that. And then on the other side of the house, mRNA spike proteins found in the heart brain of deceased fully vaccinated man. You know, we had this back in 2000, um, I think it was 2021. And InfoWars actually released the autopsy report of, uh, of a man from the COVID vaccine and showed conclusively that he had spike proteins in the heart, the brain of deceased. Um, this is from October 4th, 2014. Um, excuse me. And so now we're seeing this uh, happening more and more. Oh, this is the same guy. Yeah, I, I don't know why they're bringing this story back up. But either way, what we're finding is that um, they are, the CDC is halting the export and the dissemination of autopsy data of COVID vaccine patients. I wonder why. The number one cause of death in Canada is still unknown causes. Um, and a lot of people are saying that another bioweapon is going to be released and we're heading into this fall and potentially that bioweapon could come out there. I don't think it's going to be that. I think what it's going to be is uh, directed energy targeting, probably by 5G, towards these vaccinated people and the people who have a, a surplus buildup of the spike proteins within their system. And this is going to be a mystery illness that begins to spread like wildfire and begins killing people and it's going to bring them promulgate fear um it, it's going to bring about lockdowns all these types of things i see that this as a potential that these people could do against us and that the fear of an unknown illness of unknown origin the silent killer that right there is the ultimate psychological warfare and that's why i think they'll do it because they're coming down to this point to where a move has to be made globally to implement their new world order. So that, at least that's my my thought. Um, we can jump into a little bit more COVID news here. Healthy young woman dies in just one day after getting vaccinated for COVID. This is a Kansas 20-year-old nurse who was required to get vaccinated in order to participate in a clinical trial. Reagan Lewis, a budding medical professional, got injected with the Chinese virus that she was ordered uh got injected for the Chinese virus that she was ordered to do as part of her medical education program. One day later, she went into cardiac arrest and eventually died. I can't say for sure that there's a link, but our beautiful 20-year-old healthy daughter, Reagan Lewis, had a COVID shot yesterday and she could participate in her clinicals. Today, she went into cardiac arrest and has been flown to Kearney. She is on a ventilator and fighting for her life, and she has now since passed. And as sad as that is, these same stories are repeating everywhere in the world and what are we seeing in the sense of this vaccine well <clears throat> another one from natural news mass die die-offs are happening now close to twenty-six thousand excess deaths recorded in england and wales since april and this is just what's being reported in the sense of what we know we can relate directly to the vaccine Excess deaths in England and Wales are piling up in the absence of convincing explanation from health authorities. The British people are now beginning to realize that the Wuhan coronavirus COVID-19 vaccine is the culprit behind the spike in deaths, totaling 26,000 since April and exceeding a five-year national average. Official figures showed 94% of all COVID deaths since April have been among the boosted and quadruple vaccinated, proving more uh, mortality rates per 100,000 are highest among the vaccinated population in all age groups and further hinting that the vaccines could be the major factor in why so many people are dying. 
The data revealed that England and Wales suffered 10,673 deaths in a week ending September 16, equating to a new high of 1,009 excess deaths compared to the United Kingdom's five-year average. This number constitutes a 10.4% rise in the 2016, 2019, and 2021 average. And as more and more numbers come out, we're going to see that this is the norm globally, everywhere within the nations that are vaccinated. And what does Pfizer want to do? Well, they want to put it in the flu shot. Yep, that, that, that's what they want to do. Pfizer wants to put it in the flu shot. Pfizer is now experimenting with the mRNA flu vaccines. Uh, they've entered a phase three clinical trial, trial for the new mRNA-based influenza vaccine, which will rely on the same controversial technology as the company's COVID-19 vaccine. Not only that is what they also want to do is they want to basically combine the COVID and flu vaccines. Now, I don't know if you saw this article, but COVID right now is making a comeback globally. That's right, but it has different symptoms this time. This is sniffling, sneezing, and sore throats. That's the fucking cold. I just We just read the article. I shared it with a group text. I think I put it on Telegram. Sore throat, sniffling, sneezing, the cold, the flu. Just as we said, the flu is going to run rampant this fall, and they're going to blame it on COVID because people have compromised immune systems. And when that flu or cold gets to them, it's going to worsen. Yeah, those are allergies. I know. Allergies, it's all a cold is. It's just seasonal allergies really coming about from people from a lack of vitamin D and vitamin C and malnutrition from their diet. Planned Parenthood doctor tells Congress men can have pregnancies, especially trans men. You know, guys, I've been planning this for a long time. I've, I've been wondering if, um, you know, I should go out there and have a baby. You know, I kind of really always wanted one. I know it is, Rocky. I've always wanted to have a baby. Apparently, according to doctors out there, I can now get pregnant. Um, I didn't know this. I didn't think I had ovaries or anything like that. But apparently, um, men are capable of becoming pregnant, according to Planned Parenthood's director and primary of trans care, Dr. Bhavik Kumar, who was speaking before Congress at a hearing on abortion restrictions, claimed to have performed the procedure likely thousands of times as he deemed abortion banned, inherently racist, inherently classist, and fundamentally part of the white supremacy agenda. It's interesting to see just how deep the psychological war rabbit hole goes. That people who can have the discipline to go out there and get a PhD can learn absolutely nothing about life. Can have absolutely no intelligence whatsoever. At least my opinion. This doctor, in my opinion, is a murderer. That's what he is. He's a sadistic fuck, a murderer, and he's a piece of shit. And if you want to sit there and try to change biological science, you are an absolute fucking moron. Uh, Bangladesh. Let's go over to Bangladesh. What happened here? 140 million people in the dark in Bangladesh as the power grid collapses. Bangladesh's national power grid collapsed Tuesday afternoon, plunging 140 million people and nearly everyone in the country into darkness. Reuters spoke with officials at the state-run Bangladesh Power Development Board, who said 
power transmission failed in the eastern part of the country and then tripped power plants nationwide, cutting off power to the capital of Dhaka and major metropolitan areas. Bangladesh Power Development Board um, said engineers are investigating glitches in the power system. He said restoring the system would take several hours once resolved. Um, how much do you want to bet that this is a cyber attack? Um, a dry run, if you want to call it that. What else we got here? Bird flu spreads in Southern California, infecting chickens, wild birds, and other animals. Oh, man, here we go. After proliferating globally, a historic wave of avian flu has entered Southern California where it is worrying farmers and bird lovers and could add to complications with supply chain and food prices. This comes, you know, after we've seen over 150 various different food processing, manufacturing, and distribution facilities catch on fire just randomly with no coincidence whatsoever, as well as various uh, fuel refineries oil and gas refineries and distribution centers blowing up. And now we're getting this uh, avian flu that's infecting all these birds, turkeys, chickens, um, and so forth. Wildlife experts say that they are seeing a wave of dying birds moving south already as far as Irving um, as the fall migration sets in. They're describing the surge as unprecedented. In North America alone, an estimated 50 million birds have been succumbed which experts say is probably a vast undercount. And though government officials are primarily concerned about poultry farms, the epidemic has struck wild birds too, from waterfowl to raptors and vultures. That, that, that's reason to be concerned, especially moving into the winter season. Guys, our, our supply chain is under attack. Our food is under attack. Our country is under attack. And politicians are doing absolutely dick about it they don't care they don't want to care they just want to do what they want to do and that's keep their power and make their money it's time for a revolution i think it's time for a revolution you guys think it's time for a revolution i think it's time that we had a revolution in this country and i don't mean an armed conflict or anything like that i think it's just time that um, the people rise up and take back the power from the government reestablish the 10th amendment constitutional conventions Two-thirds majority come out, get rid of this corrupt, complicit federal government, and implement a new system for the people of the people by the people. Hey, look, all the birds are dying, and not only that, is California suffering through the driest three years ever recorded with no relief in sight. The drought has become the state's driest three-year period on record, surpassing the 2013, the 15, and four dry year uh fourth dry year is looking increasingly likely uh the news came just days after the state began its water year which runs from october 1st to september 30th 2022 water year was marked by dramatic swings between wet and dry conditions and a record shattering heat wave the start of september why does this matter because well california has major exports of various different fruits vegetables and foods and animals to the rest of the global community it's one of the largest economies in the united states of america and potentially even globally and with massive droughts well they're attacking our supply chain they're attacking our infrastructure none of this is coincidence none of this is happening by mere chance understand that 
Trump asked the Supreme Court of the United States to restore special master review of classified materials. The current status of any disputed document cannot possibly be determined solely by reference to the markings on that document. Lawyers for President Trump have asked the U.S. Supreme Court on Tuesday to step in to the legal fight over the classified documents seized during the FBI search of his Florida state, escalating the dispute over the powers of the independent arbiter appointed to inspect the records. The Trump team asked the justices to overturn a lower court ruling and allow the arbiter um, called the special master to review the roughly 100 documents with classification markings that were taken in August 8th at Mar-a-Lago. Three-judge panel from the Atlantic-based U.S. Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit last month limited the special master's review to a much larger tranche of non-classified documents. The judges, including two Trump appointees, sided with the Justice Department, which had argued that there was no legal basis for the special master to conduct his own review of classified records. Trump's lawyer said it was essential for the special master to have access to the classified records to determine whether documents bearing classification markings are in fact classified and regardless of classification, whether those records are personal records or presidential records. Since President Trump has absolutely, absolute authority over, de, over classification decisions during his presidency, the current status of any disputed document cannot possibly be determined solely by reference to the markings on that document. Absolutely correct. And will the Supreme Court take it? I don't know. I, I think we're going to see. I think that uh, there's a good possibility they do. And uh, I think it's a good possibility that Trump comes out victorious in that. All right. I don't want to go into the whole NARA stuff. Dershowitz, we can skip over that. We don't need that. Just a lot of fluff news today. Uh, we can go over a lot of that tomorrow when Vince is back with us. Uh, let me hold on one second. So yesterday we talked about a new police station opening in Canada where China can go in and monitor and actually detain its citizens in that country. Well, guess what? China launches a police station in New York City. The People's Republic of China has established an overseas police service station in New York City to monitor Chinese nationals in the United States, according to a human rights group. The watchdog group Safeguard Defenders asserted that Beijing had established 110 overseas stations to monitor its citizens abroad, per the New York Post. A total of 54 are police stations, which uh, most of which exist in Europe. Ostensibly, these facilities were largely created to handle administrative issues for Chinese citizens while outside the country. However, the report also noted that Chinese authorities had induced 230,000 Chinese nationals to voluntarily return to the country and face criminal proceedings. The practical legal authority of these offices to operate within the country is unclear and likely different differs by country. A new establishment of the operation in New York City comes amid intensified anonymity between Beijing and Washington over the claims to Taiwan. And so China is basically utilizing an embassy-like facility that processing paperwork as a police center to basically monitor, spy on, and track their own citizens in foreign countries, even though that those citizens have basically the rights of those other citizens in those foreign countries. So this is, uh, that's not good. That's not good. Because if they're doing that now and they're implementing that infrastructure, that means that if they ever do get control, this is what we're going to see. It's going to be minority report times a thousand. 
Tony Bobolinsky, what does he have to say? Let's listen to Tony here and, and listen to what he has to say. Biden was acting in points that Joe Biden was acting in uh, in a capitalistic term, I would say the chairman. The chairman of J.P. Morgan doesn't take eight meetings down with the people, you know, analyzing companies. The chairman serves a purpose, right? He's a figurehead. He shows up in meetings, shakes hands, advises, you know, has faith in his team. Effectively, that was Joe Biden's role in the Biden family business ventures and uh, around the world. And not just my venture. I met with him uh, um, multiple times, but it's well documented. Points. All right. That Joe Biden. So that's Tony Bobolinsky right there. Um, and he's called Joe Biden the chairman of his son's overseas business dealings. And we know this, that 10% for the big guy, right? 10% for the big guy. Now, the last thing that I want to talk about here. Um, so we know that Joe Biden's business dealings are a liability and a threat for everything that is happening right now um, with the truth movement with what's happening with China. Um, he's a liability to the Dems. I don't know if they're going to remove him. This is a possibility. I have kind of said this is a potential. Um, we'll see what happens on that. But what we're seeing right now is the breakout of a global event. Um, Russia has mobilized what's known as the nuclear train as well as deployed one of its large nuclear submarines. This is going to be incredibly interesting because basically we are seeing military mobilizations occurring within the United States and Russia and Europe with tensions flaring amidst uh, the Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipeline sabotage, which is being globally blamed on the United States, although deep state actors are blaming uh, Russia for this. And I believe the UN will come out and blame specifically Russia for this event of which is going to give NATO and the United Nations, the United States, Western nations, the ability to go in and get involved in this fight because they have to stop the Russian-centric globalism that is occurring in Eastern Europe where Russia is most likely going to try to take over Kiev and other parts of Eastern Europe. Um, this is incredibly important to understand because th this could turn into World War III very, very fast. Putin is not messing around. Putin is not... Um, He's not going to play with these globalists. He came out in a speech just the other day on October 1st calling the globalists Satanists and their satanic globalist agenda and that he is here to put an end to it. They don't like that. They want him out of the way. They're going to do everything in their power to remove him and they're going to go to war with Russia if they have to. Um, this is why I think it's imperative that Donald Trump does what he's going to do specifically at the right time, releasing the data and the information out to the world. Because if he can release that data and information out to the world, world before World War breaks out, um, this could potentially help Russia's cause here to take down the globalists. Because if we can, I, I'm just saying, everything has to come to a head. Everything has to come, um, has to culminate at the same time to where you have this grand event that culminates and it's either the Patriots come out victorious or the deep state cabal comes out victorious. I don't think the deep state cabal is going to come out victorious because if they did, if they take down Trump or they take down Russia or any of these types of things, they got another thing coming because they have to deal with billions of people globally. And, and that is the real truth of the matter is that you and me are the answer here. You and me are the answer to rising up, waking up, to speaking up, uh, and to continuing 
putting this information out there and waking people up throughout the world. Vladimir Putin is one country that is standing up against the globalists. Doesn't mean I think he's a good guy. Doesn't mean that I think that Vladimir Putin is, uh, you know, the, 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 the Nobel Peace winner this year. But I do believe he is fighting the globalists and I do believe he is trying to save his country and their national sovereignty. And to me, that is a respectable and admirable thing. Um, in the sense of Donald Trump, I think he is doing the same thing here. And I think these two men are under immense pressure from these globalists. But I do believe that the globalists have their backs against the wall, that the globalists are losing the information war and that they're losing possibly even the kinetic war that is occurring right now. And this is why they're pulling everything out from all spots, angles to basically fight. And this is why it's so critical that the globalists want to take the November 8th election. And this is why they'll cancel it if they absolutely have to, because they cannot afford to lose it. And this is why Donald Trump, the patriots, people like you and me are fighting to make sure that that election does happen and that there is a red wave and we do take back power because that is one of the key signatories of how we need to move forward to take back our actual country. So I want to go out there and say a thank you to everybody who has uh, donated on the Battle of the Streams. Much appreciated for all the donations that came in on Pill, that came in on DLive and Rumble. You guys are absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Vince keeps that list, uh, and so I don't have the list in front of me, but much appreciated to all of you guys for helping us donate. If you guys want to help us out in any other way, shape, or form, you can go to givesendgo.com slash redpills or redpills.tv slash go. Don't forget to check out our, uh, don't forget to check out our, uh, bleh, bleh, I can't even speak, our, one of our sponsors, getgoldtoday.com. This is Dr. Kirk Elliott for your 401k, your IRAs, or if you just have cash and you want to get some silver, silver is up over 10% for the week, getgoldtoday.com. If you want to give them a call, 720-605-3900. They definitely can help you. You can ask anybody in the chat who's worked with them. They are absolutely fantastic. As a reminder, tonight at 9 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we have the After Dark chat, which will be taking place. I'll be there. It's a live Q&A. You have to be a member of the socialredpill.com in order to do that. Just go on over there, get one of those free profiles, and uh, we can get that started for you, and we'll see you guys there tonight. Hope all of you guys have a great night. We'll see you again tomorrow night with another episode of the Red Pill Project Daily Dose. Have a great night.